Zone. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the show. Uh, coming up, the great Russ Howard will be here to preview the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. It starts tomorrow in Calgary. Of course, Skylar Ackerman, one of well, the youngest team uh, for a Saskatchewan rink at the Scotties, won the provincial uh, championship a few weeks ago, and they start tomorrow in Calgary. Uh, Russ Howard will have a little bit of a preview. And, of course, the Kerry Anderson foursome. They're trying to win their fifth straight. They've won four straight Scotties. And plus, we'll look back on a legendary career of Jennifer Jones. As she announced this week, this will be her final Scotties Tournament of Hearts. As She will continue to compete in mixed doubles with her husband, Brent Lang. But this will be it on the women's side at the Scotties six-time champion, and Russ will weigh in on the legacy she leaves. It is a busy night in the National Hockey League. There are a dozen games, 12 in total uh, tonight. And this was just posted on the Chicago Blackhawks Twitter account. Connor, welcome to the NHL, man. Yes, the Chicago Blackhawks with a pretty strong tease this afternoon with multiple reports that Connor Bedard will return to the lineup 41 days after his broken jaw suffered against the New Jersey Devils. And I'll, I'll tell you, all the reports, and, and Drew Remenda has talked about this out of Chicago, is Connor Bedard has been in the ear of that organization to get back on the ice probably since the day he got injured. Like, can you imagine? Like, this is how I picture it. Is like every day Connor Bedard comes into Luke Richardson's office and is like, can I play yet? Can I play yet? Can I play yet? And finally, Luke Richardson went, okay, fine, go play tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it's a little bit of, I don't know, timing. Remember, his first game in the National Hockey League was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, We had the big show for his debut in the National Hockey League. It was against Pittsburgh. The Penguins are in Chicago uh, tonight. And it sounds like Connor Bedard, with the full face shield, uh, will be on the ice after that broken job. 41 days and continue his quest to win the Calder Trophy as the NHL's a rookie of the year. We'll also talk a little bit about a certain Pittsburgh Penguin who will be honored this weekend. On Sunday, the Pittsburgh Penguins are retiring the jersey of Yarmir Yager, the legend. And we're going to have some fun today here on the Green Zone. We want you to give us the nominees of the greatest hair team of all time when it comes to the National Hockey League. Think about it. You've been watching hockey a while. Those mullets, perms, skullets that will live forever in NHL lore, who should make, or maybe it's just beautiful flow. It was just an amazing head of hair 
It wasn't a mullet or a skullet or anything weird. It was just, wow. Back in the day when they didn't wear helmets, that young man had a great head of hair. So bring in your nominees. Drew and I will debate the greatest hair team of all time in the National Hockey League. And I, Yarmir Yager's got to be like, remember that hair when he first came into the National Hockey League? You can check it out on our social media at GreenZoneSK on Twitter slash X. That, what was it? Permed mullet, it almost? It looked like it had some crimps in there and everything. Was something else. I'm wondering if we should put Drew Romenda behind the bench as an assistant coach on the All-Hair team because back in the day, uh, he had a little bit of skullet going on, the, the tiny one. It was the great story of Mark Messier actually telling Drew, looking at him, going, you got to shave that off. And Drew Romenda bicked it like the next day or later that night and never looked back, uh, to be quite honest. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is the fan line here on the Green Zone as we look at the greatest hair team ever. But John Tortorella added again today, ladies and gentlemen. He was asked about the young guys, the young kids in the National Hockey League. I'm going to be really careful how I say it. <laughs> um, I, 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 it well, it's a dumb league. Now that's going to be the headline. It's a dumb league. John Tortorella asked about the young kids today. What you probably won't hear is the full minute and a half answer that he gave on his thoughts on the new age of the National Hockey League. And this is with the Ridley Gregg slash Morgan Riley Gregg slap shot into the empty net. And is this just a sign of the times in the NHL? I thought this was such a great answer. From John Tortorella, it's a different league. It's a it's a different league. In um, I'm going to be really careful how I say it. <laughs> um, I, I I I I think there is. It, well, it's a dumb league. It it, it 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 is. It's changed for coaches too, and we've had to make adjustments because there are so many mistakes made. And I, I guess the thing with the young athletes is sometimes you have to wait your turn, right, as far as gaining respect and, and not wanting everything right now and not expecting everything right now as far as ice time, as far as your contract, or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's good just to wait your turn and earn it. I think that's where I think the athletes have, have changed. They have entourages around them that I think direct them the wrong way. And... Uh, the hierarchy of a room, the hierarchy of what it is to be a pro, the process you have to go through as a pro, I think's lost a little bit with, with the athlete now. And that's uh, something I miss terribly in, in being in the league for so long, seeing where it's gone to now. Great athletes, great skill, great speed. But the, the mental and the understanding what it is to be a pro and, and respecting the National Hockey League, that's where uh, I have some struggles. That's why the Green Zone loves John Tortorella so much. He's good for a quick clip, right? He's good for the, you know, back and forth with Larry Brooks. You know, bleep you too, Brooksy. Get the bleep out of here then. 
There, there's that edge to John Tortorella and coming up with, you know. It's a dumb league. Th- there's stuff like that. But how well thought out he was in that answer on the National Hockey League and the younger players, isn't that more of a commentary not only for the National Hockey League on the want it now, I deserve it now? Wait, you just you just started here. What are you talking about? What? It's going to take some time here. You've been at this for a year. Like, seriously, relax. But it is the new age athlete. And all these coaches have to adjust from the old school guys. And I think John Tortorella is a little bit on that side. But he, as he said, I've had to rethink how I coach because of all this. I thought it was a great answer from John Tortorella, but you know what the headlines will be. It's a dumb league. John Tortorella comments on young athletes today. More coming up on the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. This is the Green Zone on a Thursday afternoon. Now, this weekend... Yarmar Yager's number 68 jersey will be retired by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Many reflecting on his career. But here in the Green Zone, we're reflecting on his his hair. That's what we're reflecting on today here on the Green Zone. Did he have the greatest hair of all time in NHL history? That very lush mullet that draped down his back covering Yager. And all you could see was number 68. Uh, some of the other nominees, you are texting in one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five 332 on some of the uh, great hair in hockey history. Uh, Ron Dugay, uh, producer Scott said that one like right away in the uh, Green Zone Lounge today. And Ryan Smith has a couple of votes. The ex-Edmonton Oiler, uh, Musha Warrior as well. Yeah? He has some pretty good hockey hair. Hockey hair is definitely a thing. Now that uh, my son's playing hockey, I see the younger generation fully embracing hockey hair. But you're talking shaved down the sides, maybe even the uh, lightning bolt in there. I might have had that haircut back in the day. I remember the uh, lightning bolt shaved in the side of my head. Might have had a mullet, but that was in my younger, younger years, like 10 years old. As I expect a text of a picture from my mother anytime now. one 332 8255 here on the Green Zone. Well, yesterday was an extremely devastating day on a day of what should have been celebration in Kansas City as they honored the Chiefs. And for the most of the day, it was. You saw the images of the parade on Patrick Mahomes fully embracing his dad bod, even though he's a little embarrassed by it earlier in the playoffs, but now he's a champion. He doesn't care. There was images of Travis Kelsey. Someone had cut out a Jason Kelsey um, body without Jason's head, so... It was that that moment he stepped out of the Buffalo Bills suite. He was shirtless. 
and he pounded the beer. So someone had a cutout of that, and Travis Kelsey grabbed it, brought it over the railing, and then chugged the beer with his head over his brother's body. It was a great moment. There was Patrick Mahomes going down, giving high fives, and someone in a Buffalo Bills jersey leaned over to give him a high five, and he gave him the, oh, pull back and chuckled as he continued to give high fives. There were the speeches. There was Travis Kelsey completely butchering Garth Brooks, and it was a festive celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs. And it was ruined yesterday when gunshots rang out just after the team started to depart. And there are, of course, the horror. Uh, One person died. She was a radio DJ in Kansas City. Her child was one of those who was also shot, shot in the leg. Thankfully now has been released from hospital, but doesn't have a mom at supper. And it's again sickening to hear the statistics of over 40 mass shootings in the United States this year. And that's where we were yesterday. From celebration to covering a breaking news story and broken hearts. But within that, you saw those great people tackling someone they thought was a suspect, could have been a suspect. Police haven't clarified that incident, but that video went viral of two people, bystanders, seeing someone, and they they claim saw a gun, dropped it, and they tackled them to those trying to help those wounded instantly, to those in the subway. There was a bunch of kids who were separated from their parents in all the panic. And one of those people was actually Patrick Mahomes' brother, Jackson Mahomes, was there, and people are saying he was comforting a young person who couldn't find mom or dad until the police showed up. It was a devastating moment and, again, a sad moment and a sobering moment in what should have been a day of celebration in Kansas City. And, again, you have all the politicians saying, time for change, including Joe Biden. (laughs) Well, it's been happening for a while. And as I've said, there was no change after Sandy Hook. There will never be change in the United States. Ever. If you don't change the laws after what happened at Sandy Hook, no, you're never going to change. I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Thursday edition of the Green Zone. Thanks for spending some of your time with us this afternoon. Uh, Drew Remenda coming up. He'll join us from uh, Calgary, uh, where the uh, San Jose Sharks take on the Calgary Flames tonight. But we're also going to take you to Calgary right now. That is where the Scotties Tournament of Hearts will begin tomorrow. Of course, youngster Skylar Ackerman skipping at the Scotties for the first time for uh, Saskatchewan. And, of course, Kerry Anderson's rank looking for a fifth straight Scotties title as we also say goodbye to a legend in Jennifer Jones. Russ Howard joins us from TSN. And, of course, honorary Saskatchewanian is Russ Howard now. Russ, thanks for your time. (laughs) Yeah, anytime. 
So, Russ, uh, let's start with Jennifer Jones announcing this week this will be her final uh, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Uh, she is one of the wild card teams, but now they curl with their province, so it'll be Team Manitoba Jones uh, that is curling. Right. What legacy will Jennifer leave on the game as she departs the women's side of things, of course, continuing in mixed doubles? Well, you know, it, it, she's got to be arguably the best ever. Uh, you know, Sander for sure. Uh, Colleen Jones, I think Colleen and Jennifer both won six. You know, Sander winning three and, and you know, winning the Olympics. Uh, I always hate to compare different eras and stuff, but, um, you know, when you look at Jennifer, she's been in a lot of eras. <laughs> it's been a long career. Um, you know, it just, just, uh, changed the strategy a little bit too. The women's game became a lot more aggressive play, similar to the men's game. Uh, once we got to the three, four, five rock roll stuff and Jennifer was the leader in that. She, uh, her, uh, strategic mind second to none and, uh, ice reading and a lot of little things, not just shot making. A lot of them out here can make shots, but it's those little intangibles that, um, she's head and shoulders ahead of a lot of teams. What is that difference? You skipped on being good to being great and what made jennifer so great well again i think i think it's partly that like like a uh, great draw weight uh but it, it's it's the uh i remember saying to my daughter one day it's you know the skip can make four people bad <laughs> right because the skip can be the world's best curler but if they're not quite reading the ice right on that given day or afternoon or whatever it is and you know they're taking a little too much ice for joe blows out turn and uh, you've got to be able to read the releases. You know, it's, it's four humans that are throwing at you. And you've got to be able to um, figure out the releases. And those, those because you're human, human things change. Uh, maybe, you know, when she was with Caitlin Laws, maybe under pressure, Caitlin's out turn, she threw a little harder or she threw a little bit in out or all those little intangibles. Uh, you know, what's the ace doing later in the game? Is it slowing down down the middle? It's, you know, if you go wider, is it quicker? You, there's just so much reading, uh, figuring out the rocks, the different rocks. And there's so much to it now. It's, it, uh, it takes time to be a world class skip. And, um, she's been there for a long time. Uh, six uh, championships, of course, her and Sandra Schmirler, the only ones to win a Scotty's Worlds and, of course, Olympic gold medal. What are her chances with this young team out of Manitoba? Oh, really good. They were second last year with the same team. And, and, uh, I, I was shocked at that. I, I knew Jennifer was Jennifer, but, and I knew the girls were really good, uh, coming off world junior championships. And, but to play with a legend in a Scott turn of my heart, uh, under the big lights with the big crowds, all the media attention, uh, they did very well. So there's no reason why they can't do that well or better. As, uh, they, begin uh, they will uh, be on a separate side than the defending champ uh, speaking of legends carrie anderson's making a, a legacy yeah. run here at the scotty's tournament of hearts how unbelievable is it uh, that this group has uh, been able to string a four together and one of the favorites again uh, trying to win number five oh it's off the charts and i, I guess i should have had uh, carrie as a as the top four skips today uh, I played my entire life to win two briars. I came second six times. You know, like it's it's uh, it's impossible to uh, win four in a row. I don't know how they did it. I just don't know how. And it's kind of funny because they're under the radar at this event. You look at all the media stuff. It's Rachel Holman who's had an unbelievable year, won eighty eight percent of her games, and then the Jennifer Jones story. And nobody's talking about the four time current champion. Uh, they're really good at every position. There's no weaknesses. I guess. 
things that Jennifer already had was the ice reading, missing the right way, figuring out the rocks, and they, she's got just four incredibly talented players and maybe the best brushing in the field. Uh, when you look at, uh, of course, Rachel Holman is on the same side of Jennifer Jones and Pool B, and we have Pool A. What what have you thought of this format on splitting it up? And especially, it used to be like a championship round, and now it just goes all week, and then it goes to some qualifiers at the end of the week as they continue to try to find the right way to find the best four teams for the playoffs on the weekend. Well, that's just it. I I don't like it. I like I like the old traditional. Uh, you play every province and territory, but then what's happened? And you have to hand it to Curling Canada. That's all well and good to have a you know somebody from every province, and and that's what makes the Briar great and the Scotties great. But their job is to get the best team to go on and win the World Championship or the Olympics for us. So this format includes a defending champion, which helps stick at sales and helps your chances of having a good champion, and it adds three wildcard teams. Now, you know, when I lived in New Brunswick, everybody was going, oh, this, that's not fair, and i got to go to LeBriar, and i got to play three more good teams. But, you know, where do you draw the line? Is it is it just to have one team in every province show up, or is it to try to retain a world or, or, or a Olympic gold medal for our country? So because of these changes, four incredible teams, like I said, three wild cards and a defending champ, you've just got too many teams to have a round round. So then they broke it into two round robins, and therefore then you have to have some type of playoff system after you, um, in this case, uh, the three best teams in each pool will continue on. So six teams will make it to the uh, final weekend, and, and and that's how they do it. But that's a story in itself, because if you've got Jennifer Jones and Rachel Holman in your pool, there's a pretty good chance there's only one spot left at the end of the round robin. <laughs> so uh, And there's a lot of good teams playing for that one spot. So... You know, anything can happen, but it's, uh, it, it's the best. We just talked about in the car, Vic and Kathy and I, um, it's the best field we've ever seen, bar none. Well, when you look at Rachel Holman, of course, will be the favorite. Uh, when Tracy Fleury jumped over, how much did they just have to figure out the chemistry until they settled down and, of course, have dominated so far this season? Yeah, I, I think, you know, bringing in Tracy Fleury was absolutely brilliant, but in my humble opinion, what they did is they put her at skip. And she can skip. We know that. She was one shot away from going to the Olympics as skip. Uh, but Rachel was still driving the bus. And, and it just it just looked to me last year that you had four great players that weren't on the same page. And it looked like three of them were down at the far end for Rachel's shots, uh, talking about the strategy and where to put the broom. And per Tracy was at the other end by herself. Uh, as soon as they switched this year, the first thing I thought of was, here we go. This has to be better. And yeah, you know, Rachel's Rachel. She skipped her entire life, and if, if I, you know, I skipped all my life, and if, if I was going to have to sweep and throw a last rock, God, God forbid, um, it would be very difficult to be confident in the hack because you haven't been able to read the ice properly. Some people can do it. Brad Gushu did it with me. Um, you know, some people, David Nettowin did it, but you, uh, I just think Tracy's more part of the team now, and the un told story for that that team is is tracy she is really good uh i don't think there'll be a third in the field that'll curl as well as she does and that just makes rachel's job that much easier russ howard joining us of course of tsn getting ready for the scotties it starts uh, tomorrow night is a draw number one in calgary and we will see skylar ackerman in her debut as a skip she was an alternate last year with robin silvernagel um knowing a little bit more about Saskatchewan curling on the women's side, Russ, 
Uh, what have you seen in the growth of Skylar Ackerman to win a provincial title so young? Wow, that's that's our future. Yeah, it's just plain and simple. I I can't off the top of my head. Now I'll, I'll apologize to anybody. I can't think of anybody else that's coming up similar to that age, let alone that age, with the ability. And, and I was very impressed with the uh, how calm they were uh, down the stretch in those big games. You know, Nancy Martin's been in a billion of them, and they they looked uh, very calm. Um, good technique. Um, they they they. they the hard part, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking at them right now as we speak, and they're at the other end of the building, and they're taking pictures of the building, and that's that's the question. Is it's the big show, you know? You're not used to that kind of media coverage. You're not used to the fans that that many fans. Uh, you know, they play in an arena open setting at the at the provincials, but this is this is a different kettle of fish. So. I haven't looked at his schedule yet, but if he can maybe play a couple of the weaker seeds early, get through them, uh, look out. They, 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 uh, you know, that third spot's, uh, or maybe higher is quite attainable. Uh, on the flip side, if they're playing, I don't know, Kerry Anderson in the first game, it's going to be a really difficult ask. And I, I think if I was coaching him, I'd say, look, you've already accomplished your dream. You're, you've been incredible. You're playing with house money here. Just go out here, have a great week, enjoy it learn some things, and if it can stay calm, they can beat anybody. Well, I, I'm interested. There's another team I got my eye on, Russ, and and this is always two skips that fly under the radar, don't tour a lot, but come up to the Scotties and can perform well. One skip uh, won a bronze in 2022 at the Scotties. Uh, the other skip uh, has been to a final as right. Andrea Kelly... Yeah, and Krista right. McCarville have teamed up for Northern Ontario. I'm that is yeah. my like spoiler uh, alert for that side of the pool, which I believe uh, Saskatchewan is on. Yes, she is on that same side with Krista McCarville. Yeah, I'm a big Krista McCarville fan, and uh, Andrew and I, you know, my daughter played against Andrea for a hundred years. Uh, the, you're absolutely right. They're two of the most talented female curlers in our country. Uh, I could argue Andrea didn't quite have the horses to win a Scotties. Not quite close, but not quite. And you could almost say the same with Kristen. Now they're on the same team. It, it's, it, it could be really good. They, they had an indifferent start to the season. They didn't play too many events and they were kind of good in one and bad the next one. But that's, I give them a buy on that because you're bringing in a new player and I know Andrea plays a lot more aggressive game than uh, McCarville does. And uh, so I imagine there were some growing pains on, you know, how you're going to do this or how hard you're going to throw stuff. And, but uh, yeah, they, they, I would be very surprised if they don't make the final six and then luck out. Who knows uh, on how it's going to yeah. play out. Uh, but as always, it's going to be some great curling in Calgary for the Scotties tournament of hearts. Rush, uh, Russ, very much appreciate your time. And I know uh, we'll see you at the Briar in a few weeks. You bet. Now, that'll be awesome, too. Oh, there will be a party and a half in Regina, as it always is when Saskatchewan plays host to a major uh, curling event. That's Russ Howard at TSN teeing up the Scotties Tournament of Hearts uh, tomorrow, uh, the first draw. And, yes, Skylar Ackerman is on the ice tomorrow against Prince Edward Island to get her Scotties started. Coming up next, this day in sports history on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Bridge Farm remembers. It's up!
And after 22 years, This day in sports history, the day was February the 15th, the year 1978. We have a split decision. It's a split decision. 144-141, the new... Yes, Leon Spinks beats Muhammad Ali after 15 rounds for the heavyweight boxing title. Also on this day in sports. Checkered flag. Dale Earnhardt finally is a champion of the Daytona 500. Yes, Dale Earnhardt finally wins the Daytona 500. It would be the only time he won the Daytona 500 in his 20th start and snapped a 59-race winless streak at Daytona for Dale Earnhardt. This is a quirky one. I'll be honest. This is a little bit quirky. Put one out in front that's paddled away by Brodeur, and there'll be a penalty coming up. Penalty against the Devils. And it's deflected back into the goal! It'll count! Well, Martin Brodeur has been given credit for the goal. He touched it there. Was he the last? Yes, he was! The only time in NHL history a goaltender got a GWG. That went down as the game-winning goal as the New Jersey Devils uh, win 4-2 over the Philadelphia Flyers. The classic delayed penalty empty net. Oops! By the opponent, but Martin Brodeur was the last one to officially touch the puck. Yes, he got a game-winning goal on this day in the year 2000. 